Salutations, peace and blessings. You're listening to the Kneel Down Podcast. I am your host, the Kamish. This is going to be a very shortened episode because the NFL season, in my mind, by my standards, and that's the only standard that matter right now is the commission standards, the NFL season's officially over. We had the draft last week. They went three days of the draft, and it's over. It's done. There is no relevance to what the NFL could show us that we don't already know or would wow us to the point where we'd have to talk anything about it. If you look on, if you watch television, if you look on social media, though, everything's about Aaron Rodgers. Aaron Rodgers, this, that, and the third. Okay, fine, I get it. He's new. It's a brand new toy or a shiny new toy in New York. But it's a pre-owned toy. It's it's a pre-owned vehicle. This there's nothing spectacular to me about Aaron Rodgers outside of the athleticism that he'll bring to the New York Jets. Shout out to the Jets. Shout out to the tri-state area. I completely understand the narrative and the dynamics of having an Aaron Rodgers at Jets camp. And I, and I saw him on TV throwing to his young receivers and all. I saw him at the football game. I'm sorry. I saw him at the hockey game there with the Rangers and his boy, Alan Lazard. And then I saw him there at Madison Square Garden at the basketball games with Source Gardner. So I, I understand he's trying to blend in as a New Yorker. He's trying to blend in as a person that's new to the area but has been there before. Let me say that one more time. He's new to the area. We, we, we know he's not from around here. Nothing about his demeanor. Nothing about his composure. Nothing about his his swag shows anything of the tri-state area. Tri-state area is New York, New Jersey, and Connecticut. Shout out to those states. New York does uh, Aaron Rodgers does not possess that. And it's not to say he won't. It's just that when you see this man on television, he fits in, he blends in. People know who he is. People react the same way every time, standing ovations, full of applause and noises. And you would have thought he already won the Super Bowl with the Jets. But you know, it's the fact that Aaron Rodgers is polarizing, he's photogenic, and he brings a certain energy to an environment like New York. So you understand that with him being in the public eye, that there are just some things that are necessary for this area, for New York, for the five boroughs, to be able to gravitate to, to say that we're in the right direction to now be successful. Okay. But see, that to me is nothing nothing in comparison to what I want to see come September. In large part because we know what this man can do. When Kevin Durant went to the Brooklyn Nets a few years back, when Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving, they used to play for the Brooklyn Nets, believe it or not. When they were there, everybody was on board. Everybody was big on the Nets winning a championship. The betters that set out these numbers to allow us to put in whatever value we want if we're into gambling had the Nets at one point in time going and winning the championship. Now you're talking about putting the cart before the horse. 
you're talking about being a little bit pretentious on what we think and believe the Nets team can do. It wasn't until later on we realized it was just a dysfunctional relationship between management and the players because they never had a situation like this before where they had people like this that stand out in the crowd that make more of an impact on this team than the people in management. See, people in management do exactly what they're supposed to do. They're supposed to pass down the money down to the players. The players go out there and they have to execute, win games, so forth. I'm going on it. They sign contracts. The whole shebang. We get all that. <clears throat> but it's the fact that we need to see the progress. It's not enough to talk about the progress. It's not enough to talk about Aaron Rodgers and the light that he is going to be the man to save the Jets. No, Aaron Rodgers knows he's not going to be the man to save the Jets. He needed Alizar to come to the Jets. Now they just signed Randall Cobb to a year with the Jets. And we saw what happened in the in the draft with the Jets. They had a decent draft. I don't think they had a, 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 a super draft. It was just an okay draft. But that comes because you got Aaron Rodgers. So the heck with the draft, right? The heck with the draft for this year. We got the man we need. It doesn't make a difference how many rounds we needed. It doesn't make a difference how many picks we needed. The one pick we really needed was Aaron Rodgers, and we got him. We got him. And now we want to showboat him. We want to show it off to our friends. Look what I got. Look what I got. You want to show the Miami Dolphins that we can be in the discussion too. We want to talk to New England and Bill Belichick and let them know, hey, listen, we got somebody here in our back pocket too. We've got somebody that can go out there and do some damage. Looking at Buffalo, hey, you got Josh Allen? Cool. We got Aaron Rodgers. Now what? It's all about the comparison. It's all about the talk. The language that we see now with the New York Jets. How they handle themselves. You would have thought they already won a championship. But I can appreciate the fact that Aaron Rodgers has to fit in. He has to do what's best for himself by fitting into a crowd. Why not go to a Nick playoff game? Why not go to a Rangers playoff game? I got to market myself. Maybe I don't have to market myself, but I do. I got to let these people know that I'm here for a reason. I'm here for a cause. As the commission once said before, this is the mission. The mission is not just to win games. The, wish and ult the mission ultimately is to win a championship. So, hey, we're going to watch this man throw passes to his receivers, Garrett Wilson, and whomever else may be out there outside of Lazard and Cobb. And they have young guys, but I don't think he was confident with the guys that they had there initially. Even though everybody else here on the East Coast was like, well, the Jets are well prepared to go into the playoffs. Were they? Did you have to go and sign Randall Cobb for a year? What dynamic does he bring to the table, to the team, when he's out there on, on the field? Now, I understand that Aaron Rodgers has to have people he can rely on out there to throw to. Understood, 100%. But I thought all this was already in place before he got there. So are we backpedaling? Are we in a position where now we're not sure 
if we have enough, if you load up with a bunch of receivers and you load up with how many running backs that you may have, whether it be from the draft or not, uh, is the message that we are now well prepared to go out there and win 10 plus games this upcoming season? There's a lot of people that don't say yes. We've got the people in place. We've got the people that we know are talented enough to hold their own. We've got our offensive line. We've got a, a receiving core, a decent tight end core, decent running backs. We've got an outstanding defense. The front four is magnificent. We went out there and drafted a Will McDonald that I'm going to talk about in a little bit. We got a nice secondary out there along with Sauce Gardner and a few others. We are prepared to take on what's coming up this season. Now, I don't want to be the pessimist. So forgive me if I sound like that, but I'm not sold on it just yet. I'm not sold on the fact that Aaron Rodgers is the answer to the Jets' problems. He's a cog to a problem. He will help market that Jet team so that more people will come and watch him play. And and that is understood. This is what the business is all about. Outside of trying to win, We got to make sure we're winning with the right people. We can't emphasize that enough. It's not enough just to have Aaron Rodgers on the team. He has to be successful too. And he's happy. He's smiling, carrying on. But you know what? To a degree, this is a relief for him. There's some pleasure behind being in New York because of the tyranny that existed in Green Bay. He didn't know if he was coming or going. There was no certainty that he really felt like he fit in Green Bay at some point. I mean, for the last two years, he's been extraordinary. But now we're looking at a regressing Aaron Rodgers. So we believe. It seemed like that last season in Green Bay. Maybe a lot of that was the fact that he took a stand. He put his foot down and said, I ain't training with no young bucks. I don't care about no rookies. Them rookies got to come to me. They need to be knocking on my door while I'm in meditation mode. You need to show up in California if you want to learn something from the God. (laughs) But I think therein lies the issue with Aaron Rodgers. Aaron Rodgers cannot be compared to Peyton Manning. Aaron Rodgers cannot be compared to a Tom Brady, even though we do, because we understand the talent and the greatness that comes with such quarterbacks, and that's fine. But don't try to label Aaron Rodgers as any of those guys. I think it was Charles Barkley some time ago, a long time ago when he was playing basketball, said, don't make me a role model. Don't try to put more on me than what I am. I'm telling you right now from the door, what you see is what you get. I'm a beast. I can care less about your feelings. I don't care about how successful you want to make me. I don't care about the opposition. I'm going out there and I'm trying to win games. I'm trying to play basketball and hopefully win a championship. To a degree, Aaron Rodgers is thinking the same way. Don't try to make me out to be the good guy. Don't try to make me out to be the hero. I'm an old dude. I can try to get you guys a championship. I can try to make this Jet team and the name relevant again. But I appreciate the fact that you guys extend yourself to me as if I've already won a championship. That championship might as well be as old as the championships from 1999. I mean, we're talking about 13 years ago this guy was in the Super Bowl and won a ring. What more do we have to go on with Aaron Rodgers outside of that? 
Yeah, he's got arm talent. Yeah. Yeah, he's accurate. Yeah. Relatively healthy. Yeah. Good. But what what else? What more? For some people, that's enough. Same situation. Brett Favre came to New York. Oh, look what we got. We got a Super Bowl winner. We got a guy that can throw the ball, accuracy, and all that. And what did he do? Had one of his worst years as a football player throwing for X amount of interceptions in a season. See, the thing is this. When you really think you're great and you go out there and play like garbage, you become garbage. If you go out there and you think you're great and then you play great, you could be one of the best quarterbacks of all time. It's the image. It's the perception that we see. Brett Favre is a great quarterback, yeah, but he won't be in a discussion of top 20. Aaron Rodgers, if he's not careful, he'd be the same thing. Great quarterback. But if you don't go out there and produce for the Jets, if you don't go out there and win a championship for the Jets, what more are you to us? What more would you be for the people of New York City? Fans that have been Jet fans for so long are waiting on you to do what could be the most impossible thing for you to do would be to kind of start over on a new team. You're kind of starting over because you're not used to this roster of people. You're not used to these people that you're with, young and old. You may not be used to Coach Salah. You may not be used to Nathaniel Hackett on this end of the spectrum. He had a year in Denver and stunk up the joint. Maybe some of that residual feelings will affect the locker room. Who knows? Maybe he's quick to forget it. Short-term memory, right? Throw it right out the window. Never happened. Or wasn't even in Denver. That was a hiccup in his career. Aaron Rodgers has more than just a job to do. He has to maintain, or better yet, he has to create a new narrative in New York. He has to create a different type of dynamic when you're talking about athleticism on the football. He has to. For for making this one of the best trades in recent history, a lot is weighing on his shoulders. And I know he understands that. And I know he'll do what's necessary to be successful. I don't doubt any of that at all. But the problem that I have, if I have a problem with Aaron Rodgers, is what is he willing to do for this team? How committed is he to this team? How will he make himself known on this team? Will he get in people's ears? Will he try to grab a face mask or two to get people in line? Because that's what's needed. That's what's necessary. That's what we're expecting. We want a rugged type of Aaron Rodgers. And I can only think and feel that moving forward, as we get ourselves ready for training camp at some point, the expectations, the stakes will still be high. 39 years of age, the expectations, the stakes will stay high. We're going to want to see what Aaron Rodgers does, whether it's in a crowd or whether it's on the field. It's time to make the New York Jets a relevant name in football again. So says the commission. Be listening to the Kneel Down podcast. That's it. Ladies and gentlemen, that is it. I know there's other things going on in the NFL, but what do you care? Saquon Barkley's fighting for a long-term contract deal. What do you care? If you're a Jet, if you're a Giant fan, I understand. You're a Giant fan. You do care. Shout out to you, Giant fans. But it's like that. It's not like this man is not set to play this coming season. He just wants a long-term deal. 
understood. But you are a running back. Which is why when I saw the draft in the first round and they drafted two running backs, like, what the heck are you thinking? So in a few years, you're going to talk about extending his contract, but that's what they want. Bijan Robinson and Jameer Gibbs, they're going to want long-term contracts. And you sign them in the first round, you've now opened up Pandora's box now for what's to come in the next few years to say, you know what? We got to decide if we're going to keep this guy or let him go. <laughs> that's an argument for another day. It's just the fact I don't believe that's good business. You need a running back. True. You couldn't wait till the second round. You couldn't wait till later in those rounds to find a running back. They say they come a dime a dozen. Bijan Robinson is electrifying. I get it. Is he worth the number eight pick overall in the draft out of Texas? Maybe so. But it's the fact at some point you'll have to negotiate if this guy is deserving of a long-term contract. God forbid this guy gets hurt. It'll be a waste of a pick. Because how successful will the Atlanta Falcons be if you cannot utilize your high draft pick? That's why when it comes to making decisions like this, you have to know the heartbeat of the NFL. You got to know what works. You got to know how to operate. You got to know how to execute. You got to know how to negotiate. You got to know how to make the right demands for a team that even though they have a running back, may not need a running back right now. Jalen Carter was sitting right there. You look past him for Bijan Robinson. What? what kind of nonsense is that? And it's not knocking anything on Bijan. I think he'll be an outstanding running back. As long as he stays healthy, he'll be fine. But Atlanta didn't need that. For the New York Jets to select Will McDonald, I know, I know. He's just one of many picks in the draft. I think they had a decent draft. The Jets had a decent draft. But I couldn't help but do some research on this Mr. McDonald. Will McDonald IV from Iowa State. Size and strength limitations work against McDonald. But he was able to wreak havoc in the Big 12 playing in a three-man front. His get-off bend and hand usage translate well in the move outside. Now, this is coming from Lindsay Sports. Shout out to Lindsay Sports. I do a lot of the research based on what I see, what I read, what I interpret. Now, what this says to me is he has the potential of being a great outside linebacker if he decides or if the Jets decide to keep him outside. But was he worth the 15th overall pick in the draft? Was he really? For where the Jets want to be in establishing a new identification, was it smart to draft him there? Now, of course, time will only tell. But the investment you make now will determine the success you'll end up in the future. You'll make in the future. It's a question of what you do now. So you went out there and got the guys you thought were deserving in that round, the first round. I got to believe there are other guys out there you could have invested in that might have been worth it. And even if they weren't, trade down. You didn't have to stay at 15. You could have traded down and got somebody else worth the money. But who am I to knock the Jets and how they prepare their team? Shout out to GM Joe Douglas. It's not like he did a, a, it's not like he did a pitiful job. I just think that more could have been done 
in his situation to at least allow more draft capital your way with this draft because you just invested you just invested in Aaron Rodgers. You, there's not a whole lot of flexibility at this point. You got to know what works for you and your team. I can only hope and pray moving forward these guys pan out. They they were extremely exciting in college, but this is the pros. This is the NFL, and right now they're still rookies. So says the commission. You've been listening to the Kneel Down podcast. I have been the commission. Thank you, all of you, men and women, boys and girls alike, for listening to this show. It means that much to me. Like I said, it's going to be a short episode. I don't have much. Football is done until June. (laughs) Maybe June, July. I may touch on it again then. Unless something big comes up, I'm going to put the NFL on the top shelf for now. For now. If anything else comes up, I will be the first to bring it to your attention here at the Kneel Down Podcast. I want to wish everybody the best of weekends. The weather's been up and down, but that's all right. It hasn't been hot yet, depending on where you live. Just do what you have to do to get by. This has been an amazing several days. When you look at everything in the news, on TV, I didn't know if I wanted to talk about this, but maybe with a few minutes that I have, I saw something on TV that blew my mind in New York, of course. Shout out to New York. I'll just spend about a few minutes talking about this. Man was defending himself on the subway train. The man that he attacked or was being attacked by was supposed to be, allegedly, a homeless man. Which is homeless man went after this man verbally, maybe even physically, which the end result was that this man that was attacking the other man was placed in a chokehold that killed him. And there were people there on the train that saw all this unfold. And as we say, did nothing. There was no show of any type of uh, resistance. There was no show of anybody just trying to give up you know, understand that the fight was over. I don't even know if the man was even a threat on the train. Maybe the person that placed a chokehold on this man, his name was Jordan, his name was Jordan Really, Veely, whatever his name may be. He was placed in a position where now he became the victim. The chokehold that was applied on him was applied on him for 15 minutes according to the news. And I'm only bringing this up because outside of it being a black man dying in one of the most inconvenient situations, if we want to label this inconvenient, the man that placed the chokehold was acting in self-defense. Or so it stated. However, the police ruled it a homicide. So how much self-defense was it? At what point did you realize the fight was over Let the man go. Let the man breathe. You won. Even if you had to leave the train, what was the point of still applying the chokehold? See, the problem that I have with people in society is that even when you live in fear, you don't know what to do with yourself. You feel like you have to kill to save yourself, even if it doesn't warrant killing someone. This man allegedly was unarmed, had no weapon based on what we saw based off the perception, this man had nothing. And you applied a chokehold that killed him. 
So now you are a murderer. But your argument is self-defense. Well, at what point does self-defense stop and common sense set in? You killed a man only because you were afraid for your life. Even though this man might not have been a threat, he came off as a threat. He might have done something to you. But based on what I saw from the footage, it was three against one. Two other people intervened, but did nothing to break up the man that was placed in the chokehold. So they condoned it. If you ask me, they're just as guilty. Now, whether they see time in court is the question, but as of this moment, the man that placed the chokehold is now going to jail for murder. They ruled it a homicide. The point I'm trying to make here, ladies and gentlemen, is this. If you feel that threatened within your society, if you feel threatened when you take a train or bus, wherever you may go, there's one or two things you can do. And it wouldn't cost you anything and it probably wouldn't take up most of your time or any of your time. But the best decisions are the decisions that come when you know you're using common sense to do what's right for yourself. Sometimes you got to just take a second to think a little bit further. Don't put yourself in the position that you thought you were doing the right thing because you were trying to save your own life. Listen, the man was unarmed. To our understanding, he was unarmed. And even if he was armed, he didn't have anything in his hands when he was getting choked out. At what point do you stop and realize what you're doing? And this extends not just to the man that placed the chokehold, but others. The point is, we got to know when to say, we got to know when to stop. We got to know when the fight is over. Don't feel as though you got to take it to the next level because you're afraid for your life. But then don't take the train. Ride a bike. Catch a cab. Do what's necessary if you got to commute, that you do it amongst yourself, individually. We're not surrounded by people you're afraid of every day. That's the problem in society. Everybody's afraid. I think it's time to develop a backbone. I think it's time to develop some type of sense when you know that not everybody is a threat to you. So says the commission. I'm going to end it like that. Didn't want to go too far into it, but sometimes it just drives me nuts to see these things on TV. Forgive me, Mr. Jordan Peel or Veal. Really, I think his name was Jordan. Really, forgive me if I got your name wrong. Shout out to his family. My condolences goes out to you, whomever you may be, because what happened wasn't right. Plain and simple. Wasn't right. Everybody have a great weekend. And like I normally do by saying peace and love to all those out there. Stay safe. Get vaccinated. I'm out.